0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
0: This is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett.
1: Thank you for downloading the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is Series 1, Episode 42, The Tidal Basin. This podcast is brought to you today by the inventors at Grasshopper Outdoors, makers of the Monomaster, the Seatmaster, and Fishing Clips. You know the mono master it's what we all use to wrap our little tidbits of monofilament in so we can save them and discard them at a later time the seat master is the newest product it's a little extender that goes on the top of your waiting staff you cap it on there and then wedge your waiting stick into any crevice or rock then you can lean on the top of your waiting staff as a seat it is great for the fatigued angler the second newest product is the fish clips the fishing clips are little clamps that hold your rods together when they're broken down in order to prevent line and rod tanglage walking to and from the stream. Hopefully the fine people at Bass Pro Shops are going to start carrying the Seatmaster and Fishing Clips soon so you can avoid having to get them through the website. But if you want to get them through the website, please visit grasshopperproducts.com. Let's all give a big round of applause to Grasshopper Products. And the shout out for this episode is going to Tom I met Tom on the Rappahannock River oh about 11 years ago he was canoeing with his son I was canoeing then with my girlfriend now wife and I lost my vest that day and he returned it to me and we also saw a squirrel swim across the river so it was a great memory we had and out of the blue Tom sent me an email saying hey wanted to do some fly fishing on the Potomac for snakeheads, and your name came up. Tom mentioned he had a friend who lives on Little Hunting Creek. So what Tom and I did was convinced his friend to let us take my boat down there, and we fished last weekend with his friend, of course, Bill. It's not that often that I get boat access to Little Hunting Creek, one of the prime snakehead and bass fisheries in the area, because it's too far from any boat ramp for me to take my small 9-9 outboard. So, Tom, I just want to give you... Thanks again for allowing us to go out on the boat and we'll have to do it again when the tides are a little bit better. So thank you so much. The tides were awful, but we'll get to do it again and we will figure out those fish. So let's start off with the tidal basin today. We're gonna do what is the tidal basin? Talk the history of the tidal basin and we're gonna talk fishing in the tidal basin. Not just fly fishing, I said fishing, you can bait fish. You can spin, you can do whatever you want. Fly, of course, is what I specialize in. So that's what I'm going to talk about. So the tidal basin is a four-leaf clover-shaped retaining pond. There are one-way gates that allow water to flow in and out with the tide because it is tidal. The species of fish you are most likely to encounter are largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, striped bass, Carp, Koi, Gar, Needlefish, American Shad, Hickory Shad, Gizzard Shad, Blueback Herring, Alewife, Black Crappie, White Perch, Yellow Perch, Snakehead, Pumpkin Seed, Long Ear Sunfish, Bluegill, Channel Cats, Blue Cats, And the newest two introductions we are having up here right now with the high salinity level is redfish. You have the chance to catch redfish in Washington, D.C. And yesterday, right across the river from the Tidal Basin, an angler caught a Nile tilapia cichlid. So there are some definitely new fish we can angle for in these areas. The Tidal Basin is open 24 hours a day and is a free access area. It is a national park. Parking is limited along West Potomac Park. Take the metro or ride a bike to avoid having the three hour parking limits and avoiding traffic and allowing you to fish longer. If you have to move your car every three hours, you might not be able to fish as long as you want. There is an elevated cement sidewalk which lines the tidal basin. Right at the edge of that is a cement wall which acts as the shoreline. It is 100% wheelchair accessible. There are clean bathrooms. There are water fountains. There are hot dog vendors and concession stands. The newest addition to the concession stands on the mall in Washington, D.C. is the addition of beer. I have not confirmed this, but this is what I've been told. And you can rent paddle boats throughout the summer, except on windy days like today. The Tidal Basin is a partially human-made reservoir. It is located between the Potomac River and the Washington Channel in Washington, D.C., which is part of West Potomac Park of the National Park Services. The focal point of the National Cherry Blossom Festival is held each spring. And if you have not seen the cherry blossoms, it is one of the most magical things you will ever see. The only thing I can compare it to now is scenes from the movie Avatar. You are walking around hundreds of gigantic pink flowering trees, all blooming at the same time. It is one of the most beautiful things you will ever see. In fact, it is the site of the location where I chose to propose to my wife. I proposed to her under the cherry blossoms. It is a very romantic spot. It gets extremely crowded. And the only thing you can compare it to in print or artwork is that painting of people sitting in the park. It is an impressionistic painting, and I can't remember who it's by. I want to say, I'm going to pause and tell you, hold on. All right, I just did a little Googling, and it is not called a picnic in the park. It is George Surratt's A Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jatte. And it says, this is just a little tidbit, sidebar. George Surratt spent over two years painting a Sunday afternoon, focusing meticulously on the landscape of the park. He reworked the original as well. Blah, 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 blah. We'll have a picture of this Sunday afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jatte, 1884. But it looks very similar to the Tidal Basin. And I'm telling you, it is the, one of the most beautiful things you will ever see. It should be on one of those, you know, great wonders of the world lists. The Jefferson Memorial, the Martin Luther King Jr. National Memorial, and the Franklin Delano Roosevelt Memorial are all part of this. Additionally, the George Mason Memorial is off to the side and is often overlooked by people walking around. It is situated adjacent to the Tidal Basin along the Potomac River. Remember, there is no dancing inside the Thomas Jefferson Memorial. People will get arrested for doing that. The Tidal Basin covers an area of about 170 acres, also known as 43 hectares, and the average depth is 10 feet. Write that down. The Tidal Basin was designed in the 1880s to serve both as a visual centerpiece and as a means for flushing the Washington Channel a harbor which is separated from the Potomac River by fill lands where East Potomac Park is situated. When you dig out the tidal basin, you have to deposit the land somewhere else, and that makes what is now known as, from what I believe from reading, is Haynes Point Park. You have all these fish vendors now in Washington Harbor, and when they're done, they throw all their fish scraps in the water. Things just sit there and smell disgusting every day, especially in the summer. When you drive by, it stinks. So if you have water flushing in and out, because it's fed by the Anacostia River, which is basically zero drop in elevation, so there's very little flow. So the Anacostia cannot flush out the harbor. So they built a tidal basin to flush water in and out, get rid of all that nasty stuff. There's a major storm coming in, so let's hope I don't lose power. I seem to always record these on inclement weather days. It's getting really dark in here. We're under a tornado watch until 7, and if you're keeping track, it is Tuesday, September 18th, 2012. Major Twinings, as in not as in the T, but read it the same way as Twinings T, had the idea to create a tidal reservoir, which was then known as Twinings Lake, and use what they had to flush the Washington Channel, and the design was carried out by Colonel Haynes. The tidal basin, which exists today, was not laid out until after World War II. The basin is designed to release 250 million gallons of water captured at high tide twice a day. Write that down. The inlet gates are located on the Potomac side of the basin underneath the Ohio Drive Bridge. Write that down. These allow water to enter the basin during high tide. During this time, the outlet gates on the Washington Channel side close to store incoming water and block the flow of water and sediment into the channel. As the tide begins to ebb, the general outflow... Of water from the basin forces the inlet gates to close. The same force is then applied to the outlet gates, which open into the channel. Silt buildup is swept away by the extra force of water running from the tidal basin through the channel. The gates are maintained and navigable by the Army Corps of Engineers. The top of the gates are blocked off by a chain link fence, so you cannot get in and out of the tidal basin with a canoe or kayak. These also prevent large objects from floating in, such as coolers, tree branches, trees, and a lot of other litter and debris that floats down the Potomac River. As part of the restoration and redesign of the Lincoln Memorial Reflecting Pool completed this year, water is now being pumped from the tidal basin to fill the pool. You most notably know that from the scene in Forrest Gump when Jenny runs into the water and Forrest Gump runs after her. Approximately 3,750 cherry trees are situated on the Tidal Basin. Most of the trees are Yoshino cherry. The trees were a gift to the United States from Tokyo Mayor Yukio Ozaki in 1912. About 100 of these original trees still stand. Beavers in the 1990s attacked the trees causing a local media frenzy. Several of the trees now have wire gates around them to prevent beavers from Dining on these deliciously beautiful trees. Now, for some historical tidbits from the Washington Bathing Beach and Tidal Basin area. The Bathing Beach was adjacent to Ohio Drive, which is now all riprap and rocks. There's a nice path along there, and that had sand on it. In 1897, Congress established that the entire area, including the Tidal Basin, formerly known as Potomac Flats, should become a public park. The bathing beach adjacent to the future memorial site became popular. Swimming in the Tidal Basin continued until about 1925 when it was stopped by the newly merged Office of Public Buildings and Grounds and Office of Public Parks of the National Capital. The reason for this was twofold. Firstly, because of health risks caused by debris which floated in the Tidal Basin through the Inlet Bridge. And second, due to the racist policies which limited the use of the beach by whites only. We don't, we don't like that. Rather than allow access to the beach for everyone, it was closed and returned to its former condition, a natural water's edge without sand, which it is today. The site is the former beach was occupied by baseball fields and tennis courts. And this is all historical data I have compiled from the internets that I would tell clients when fishing with them there to give them a sense of the history of the location. Let's talk about some of these events. There were two municipal bathing beaches at the Tidal Basin. The white one on the southeastern side opened in 1918 and was enlarged in 1921. The colored bathing beach on the west shore of the Tidal Basin was dismantled in 1915. Which may have been the same year it was built. Shortly after that, the white bathing beach was also eliminated. There were plans for a colored bathing beach on the Anacostia, Evidently, so the white beach could be reopened, but that doesn't seem to have panned out. In 1919, July 26th specifically, there was the Swimming Bathing Beach Parade at the Tidal Basin. 1922, the Superintendent of Public Buildings and Grounds issued an order that suits not be over six inches above the knee. I will provide you pictures of this on the blog and website. 1922 reports of the Calopolis Grotto on the Potomac Bathing Beach. The Grotto being one of Washington's many Masonic lodges. And in 1922, specifically August 5th, the Washington Tidal Basin slash Washington Bathing Beach Beauty Contest was won by Eva Friedel. 1923, the opening of the Bathing Beach had a three-story diving platform in the middle. It's one of the coolest pictures I found while researching this topic. There are three levels, assuming 10, 20, and 30 feet built in the middle of the Tidal Basin. I doubt anybody from the D.C. area knows that this even existed. I didn't know it existed until I started guiding the Tidal Basin and then started researching those background facts. In 1925, two men drowned and another one rescued from their automobile when the automobile in which they were riding in crashed through the guardrail and plunged into the Tidal Basin in Potomac Park. Shortly after midnight, The two victims were trapped in the big touring machine, which was submerged in 18 feet of water. One of them was Robert McClemon. He threw himself clear of the hurtling car and was rescued from the basin by park policemen. McClemon said one of the dead men was John Craven. This was reported in the Washington Post, December 26th, 1923. That's the background. Now let's talk about the meat and potatoes. How to fish the Tidal Basin. First off, you need a Washington, D.C. license. It's $13 for out-of-state, $11 in state That's for the year. The Washington, D.C. fishing license is the best deal you're going to get. The easiest way to get one is online. There are links on my website or just Google Washington, D.C. fishing license online. The other is at Fletcher's Boathouse at Fletcher's Cove. I have been told by park police officers at the Tidal Basin that you only need one fishing license per three anglers. Don't quote me on that if you happen to go in there. Without fishing licenses. This area is patrolled only by US park police officers and US park rangers. The park rangers do not ask for fishing licenses. I've only been asked once in about eight years for a fishing license by a police officer. You can use bait. I would recommend spam. Spin, bait cast, or fly fish in the tidal basin. Yes, you can fish there. Walk the entire thing, all four leaf of the clover. I take three hours to do the entire circuit, which is limited actually by the parking. It just happens to work out that way. The Tidal Basin is a giant nursery for fish fry. You might see a school of shad fry or minnows go by with thousands of fish. The school might take up to two to three minutes to swim by you. There is so much bait in there that some days don't even bother fishing because your fly is not going to get differentiated between a bait fish and a real fish and the predatory fish which you're fishing for won't be able to see the difference. There's so many that you might just end up snagging all these bait fish in the schools as you retrieve your fly. The water on most days is generally calm with about one foot of visibility at high tide. It is going to be more calm in the morning and in the evening when there are less winds because the atmosphere hasn't heated up and started to create areas of low pressure which high pressure will then fill up which causes wind fish along the walls fish will literally be under your feet i try to explain that to people the wall ends and there is water the fish stack up against the wall you don't really need to cast far here they are under your feet
0: this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news
1: Fish the high tides under the trees where the fish will congregate. The fish will congregate under the trees for protection because there are a lot of predators of birds there, a lot of predatory birds. And two, it provides them shade. Fish don't have eyelids, and it also helps them maintain their homeostasis on hot days. Plus, the trees are full of bugs which fall in, and the fish can then eat. Fish flooded waters along the tidal basin. With spinning gear, you can get further out into the water. Roll cast out from the edge of the cement or cast parallel to the cement wall laterally along the walls to cast there may be some areas including walk downs from memorials their steps behind you you might have a hundred yards eh, not a hundred yards maybe like 300 feet that you can backcast if there are no people walking behind you careful not to damage the cherry trees Between the Cuts Bridge and the Martin Luther King Memorial is very heavily tree-lined. You will catch lots of trees. Try not to yank your fly out and destroy the trees because they are part of the national park. And they're beautiful. Walk the edges. This is a frequently asked question on forums and by clients and people I just tell to go fish the Tidal Basin. There is no waiting. You cannot enter the Tidal Basin. There are ladders along it, which are probably for people that fall in by accident. People still ride their bike around it, even though you're not supposed to. Follow the concrete path that goes around the tidal basin. There are no need for waders because you are not going in. The one instance you may need waders is at high tide and flooded periods, where water will come up over the sides and go up onto the grass. I suggest wellies, which are knee-high rubber boots, If you wear flip-flops during this time of year, you will definitely get your feet wet. Either storm water or high tides will pool up along the concrete walkway and cause floods. You will notice that there are social paths where people take around the trees to avoid walking in the water. Do not fish near the paddle boats. This is marked by signs. Watch the English guys with their roach poles near Kutz Bridge fishing for carp. Talk to others that are fishing there, especially Harry. He sits on a bucket at the Crappy Hole. If you don't know where the Crappy Hole is, it is one quarter of the way from the FDR Memorial to the MLK Memorial. It is where the fence ends and the trees get thicker. There are people that have been fishing there for years and they can tell you some of their tips and tricks. I'm trying to tell you as much as I can now because I no longer guide there. But I still like to fish it myself, so I'm opening up one of my favorite all-time fishing spots. You really only need three flies to fish the tidal basin. A clouser minnow in a variety of sizes, a beadhead nymph, and a popping bug. High tide and rain will congregate on the trail, which I already mentioned, so watch out for slick spots. Find the structure. At low tide, you will find fallen trees that have gotten in. There are loose rocks. There are pipes. And after storms, you can find all sorts of flotsam. Recently, it was an entire school of Coney Island whitefish. If you do not know what a Coney Island whitefish is, you will have to Google that. Watch your head. There are low branches. If you're wearing a hat and you're watching the water, you are going to walk into trees. Watch out for tourists. They will be everywhere. What kind of fly rods do you need? I would not go in there with anything under a 5 weight. You really don't know what you're going to catch. I went out carp fishing one day and ended up with a 34 inch snakehead. What kind of line? Floating line for the most part. I would only use a sinking tip if very fast water was coming in under the Ohio Drive Bridge. Other than that, a sinking line or sink tip in the majority of locations will get you foul hooked on the bottom. Use up to 20-pound tippet. I say this because we have broken leaders and tippets on fish. I have had carp break 14-pound line, which is why I switched to 20-pound line. I had a client one day fishing a popper dropper nymph. She hooked a very large fish and then broke off the tippet, which was 20 pounds, on that fish. Never saw what it was, but it was against the wall, about 15 steps to the left of the the water fountains at the FDR. I went back the next day and I caught a bluegill, which broke the tip on my eight weight. You never know what will happen in there. Pack a lunch. This is a great picnic spot. You really don't want to pay over paying prices for hot dogs and snow cones and the other foods there that are targeted for tourists. Your spouse can hang out with you while you fish. My wife, before we had the baby, would join me she would either read on benches or sit in a lawn chair. There are lots of helicopters flying overhead. On a lucky day, you may see POTUS fly over. POTUS being President of the United States of America. If there are one, Marine helicopters, not the President. Two, most likely the President. Three, definitely the President. There will be Blackhawks. There will be Chinooks. There will be U.S. Coast Guard slash Homeland Security orange choppers. You will have U.S. Park Police, Hueys, and who knows what else. If you're a birder, you will see bald eagles, cormorants, pigeons, geese, ducks, terns, herons, egrets, and ospreys. Watch out for the cormorants when they're underwater. You may foul hook one. Do not lose your keys. I was fishing the tidal basin three summers ago, one of my best nights ever, and the carabiner on my keychain broke. I was crossing a field by the Jefferson Memorial. I spent three hours that night into the dark looking for my car keys. I did not find them. I called my wife, and you know what? I did not get a parking ticket. I was there for five or six hours. I went back the next day with my mountain bike and rode circles and circles around the Tidal Basin. At one point, I was about to give up. I was sitting along a jersey wall, and a girl just walked up to me and said, What did she say? It was something like, do you need help with something, or what can I get for you? Or it sounded like she was either propositioning me for S-E-X, that, or she was offering me drugs. You know, the, the first one would have been great back in the day, but, you know, these, these days, I'm a, I'm a married man, so none of those shenanigans from girls trying to offer and proposition me. It was very flattering. And then I just rode my bike around that field, and I noticed uh, something shining in the grass, and I found my keys. And I happened to spot a guy that day who was doing the same thing looking for his wallet. So just make sure you don't lose your keys. The wife was not happy about coming to eight miles to, to drop off some keys with me. And she didn't talk to me when I got home. So when you're fishing the tidal basin, I said walk the edges. So you're going to walk. I preferably go clockwise. And I walk around the edges and I smack the poppers with the beadhead dropper right along the wall. Twitch it about three times. If there's no bite, I take a step. I repeat the cast. I may roll cast out into the middle, but there's usually nothing out there that bites. These fish are going to hang out along the wall for structure. They can back into it knowing no bird in the right mind is going to dive down into that wall area and risk you know, a crash landing. There are big fish, largemouth, 4, 5, 6 pounds. There are snakeheads and carp. There are huge catfish that will sit against that wall, especially in the shade. Don't be shy with your casting in there. Do some sidearm casts. Try and get underneath things. Show off a little bit. Have fun. You're definitely going to get your picture taken with the gapers. And that is my next topic. How to deal with the gapers. A gaper, if you don't know, is a tourist that will stop in a particular area with their wide gape and just stare. Tell them what's in the water. People are going to ask, hey, what's in there? And you can tell them there are largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, striped bass. Carp, koi, gar, needlefish, American shad, hickory shad, gizzard shad, blueback herring, alewifes, black crappies, white perch, yellow perch, snakeheads, pumpkin seed, long sunfish, bluegill, channel cats, blue cats, redfish, and Nile tilapia. Most people think there are no fish in this area. They don't realize that it's connected to the river and the water flushes twice a day. Ask them where they're from. Most people are tourists from the Midwest, I found out, I have also met many international people. While waiting for clients, I have been inquired to teach a casting lesson by people from Palestine, France, and French Guyana, and more. It's a very interesting crowd. You'll meet people from all over the world. I met one guy who was in town from Colombia, and he was in D.C. and on his way to Chicago. He'd never been to America before, and he went to New York to have hot dogs and pizza, to Washington, D.C. to see the government of America. And then he wanted to go to Chicago because of Michael Jordan. Fascinating things you can learn from people just by talking to them in the tidal basin. Tell them it's not a cesspool. Most people think it's just stagnant water. Granted, there is a lot of plastic in there. You're most noticeably going to see chapstick caps, ballpoint pens, plastic straws, disposable water bottle, plastic caps. You're going to see a lot of tampon applicators, a lot of bobbers and other just plastic forks, knives and spoons that we Americans seem as disposable and throw away, which eventually end up in our water. And those can get through the fence gate that usually prevents tree branches from getting in, but small plastic. So at high tide, you will actually see a line of plastic, which is known as rack. You'll see a plastic rack with some leaves and some dead snails where the high tide was earlier that day. They only seem to clean it up around the, Time of the cherry blossoms when we get thousands and thousands and thousands of tourists. Tell them you don't eat the fish. Well, I personally don't eat the fish. Harry, he eats the fish. He's been eating crappy out of the crappy hole for 40 years. When they're walking in the general direction of the Ohio Drive Bridge, tell them to stop and look down from the Ohio Drive Bridge, especially in April and May. That is when you are most likely to see the biggest snakeheads of your life. They will come up to breathe and they may be swimming in pairs as they're preparing to spawn. They will most notably be hanging out there after high tide when the water is high and the gates have shut off. Pose with them. I have my picture taken all the time. Oh, but he looks just like that. Brad Pitt from A River Runs Through It. You're always going to get the A River Runs Through It comment. So pose with them. I had an uh, entire middle school from Sparta, New Jersey friend me on Facebook. I used to put my cards out on top of the bridge when I was fishing with clients below, but I no longer can do that. There are going to be more gapers around during spring break and during summer times. The new Martin Luther King memorial has increased the foot traffic, which makes backcasting and roll casting a little more difficult. You know what you're doing, but these tours don't know that you know what you're doing. They're all concerned and freaked out that you're going to hook them on your backcast. This also means that parking is going to be less available. One tour bus will take up three to four spots. It's freaking crowded as a crowd can get during the cherry blossoms. So be prepared. It is the most beautiful time of year, but it's also the most crowded. It's extremely cool to be able to catch a gar or a carp or a perch or a shad with that background behind you. Just mind you, you're really not going to find parking during the cherry blossom peak. And you're going to have to deal with people everywhere. You're going to have to fish the spots where most people can't get to, that being along the in and out waters, which is going to be closer to the outflow and the inflow. So under Ohio Drive Bridge and the outflow, there is a long place where tourists don't normally walk. Stand up on that bridge and observe. Look where the fish are hanging out and holding. You can see more than you think from that Ohio Drive Bridge and then just climb down and start throwing clousers. You want to fish dusk on an incoming tide. You want to fish dusk on an outgoing tide. Where you fish those is up to you. Write that down. You don't need a vest with a whole bunch of gear, just a shoulder pack or a sling pack or a couple flies stuck in your vest. Definitely take um, your camera with you. You never know what you're going to see. I was fishing with a friend last year and there was a huge thunderstorm and we saw a double rainbow over the Jefferson Memorial. The sunset will always go through the Jefferson Memorial, so if you want a really good silhouette of Thomas Jefferson, you should most definitely do that from the other side. I no longer guide in the Tidal Basin. It is not allowed for me, that makes sense, to fly fish there and make a profit. The Park Service does not approve of people profiting off of certain national parks unless you have a permit. They do not offer the commercial use authorization for the tidal basin. So if somebody offers to guide you there for a fee, they are breaking the law, and if you get hurt or something with them, they are going to be in deep doo-doo. I send people to the tidal basin to fish. I fish there myself, but I can no longer take people there. It was my favorite place to fish as a guide because I could get people there that can't climb into boats, that can't wade, That can't be on their feet too long. The parking's close. It's completely handicap accessible. You can take kids there because there's so much visual stimuli of the helicopters and the monuments and giant fish busting out in the middle that they're going to be entertained. And if they're not, it's an easy walk for them to go get a hot dog or snow cone and take a break and then start fishing again. Beware of the mosquitoes at dusk there in the summer. They will drain you dry. We learned that with the client uh, Mickey, he caught a huge smallmouth bass in there. Other things I want to mention are, you know, I've lived in the Florida Keys. I ran a lodge in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. I worked in a shop in Colorado. All the biggest fish I have caught in my life have been in the tidal basin. People always ask me, "So you're you must be a trout bomber? You know, you've got this license plate. You're a fly fisherman. You fish for trout." I'm like, not really. If I've got free time. I'm going to probably go to the Tidal Basin because I can wear flip-flops. I don't get dirty. There's no wear and tear on my waders. I'm always going to catch tons of fish. Um, I can go there with my Tenkara rod and target bluegill, but you don't know if you'll catch a snakehead with Tenkara. And you don't know when you're going to catch that monster carp. We once foul-hooked a carp in the tail, and it took us all the way out into our backing across the Tidal Basin. It was a client named Rob, and... We didn't know the fish was foul hooked until we got it to the top. You don't know what you're going to catch here in the Potomac until you get it in, which is part of the fun. I've always said before, you go trout fishing, you know you're either going to catch a trout or a sucker fish. And here, it can be one of those 15 species of fish. The fish are big, so be prepared to have the fight of your lifetime. You might see a carp tailing in there with its tail sticking out at low tide. That could be like three and a half, four feet of water. There are certain areas where the carp are going to congregate most. That'll be especially along the Jefferson Memorial Wall where most tours don't go. It'll often be blocked off because the tides will flood there. If the tide does flood there and the fish go up onto the concrete, that's your best chance of catching the biggest fish of your career out there. You will have gar and snakeheads and carp warming themselves and eating all the other little crustaceans and bugs that climb up to go into that warm water. It would be nice if there were people or volunteers I would do this, if um, they allowed to go around with pool skimmers and clean out a lot of the plastic in there. You might catch a trash bag or a tampon dispenser. It's just part of the urban fishery. The water is murky because it is an urban area, and anytime there's rain like today, you're going to get mass runoff, so you're never going to get clear water where you're sight fishing. You will be able to sight fish for striped bass when they're feeding on the incoming tide. You will be able to sight fish for bluegill on right under the surface along the trees and under the trees along the wall. Be careful that you don't go there when there is a triathlon or a concert or another event going on in Washington, D.C., like the Marine Corps Marathon. Traffic is snarled and you're not going to be able to get in. Be sure to wear clear glasses if you're fishing at night. There are lights along the area that light up the water so you can fish. Like I said, it's open 24 hours a day. You don't need a long leader here. Nothing in the river is leader shy. That's why you can use 20-pound tippet. I use Berkeley Vanish. It would be nice if the Tidal Basin was open for guiding. I um, just think it's a phenomenal fishery. I'm sharing with it you here now. If you live in D.C. and you never fished there before, go fish it. I have lots of clients who live a couple blocks away, and they have no idea that you can fish there in that suburban area. It is a phenomenal fishery. If you are listening to this and you're coming to D.C. on vacation, if you're coming for a conference or to visit, visit somebody, go fish there. You'd be surprised what you can pull out amongst all those buildings. You're going to see the five monuments, the Washington Monument, the Jefferson's there, MLK, FDR. There is the Lincoln. You're going to see the World War I Memorial, World War II Memorial. The U.S. Mint is right there, the Holocaust Museum. There's so much there to see and do. It is a truly amazing experience. I love seeing those pictures that people post on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and their blogs about crisp, cool mountain turquoise streams with mountains in the background. But you know what? Being able to fish with all that cool urban capital stuff is awesome. Where else are you going to fish with giant monuments in the background? That's about all I have for this podcast. I'm going to put up maps and more on the website and blog. You can be sure to visit that for more information. The next podcast is by request. It is stories about fishing. So it's mostly going to be NSFW if you're listening without headphones. I will definitely put an 18 plus rating on it. This podcast has been brought to you by Grasshopper Products. This podcast has been produced by Free Stone Media. And thank you for downloading. Please visit my website, robsnowwhite.com to book a trip in Washington, D.C. or around the D.C. metropolitan area. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Snow White and on Facebook, Fly Fishing Consultant. Thank you so much for downloading. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you guys. Have a good afternoon. and Let's hope this rain doesn't stay around too long. We need the rain, but I want to go fishing for stripers. It's cool and dark out. Hey, and I wanted to mention that you need the Tide app on your smartphone, or check online at saltwatertides.com and either put in Washington National Airport or Washington Channel to find out high and low tides for the date you are fishing in the Tidal Basin. That's it for now.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com